Just a quick note before the episode begins, the PIP podcast is for entertainment purposes only. It is not a medical podcast and does not constitute medical advice. Always seek the advice of a doctor or health professional. Welcome to the PIP podcast, where we speak unapologetically about everything that affects people with uteruses. Funky poops, periods, chronic pain, you name it. PIP is here to talk about it all with plenty of laughs. So let's get Pippin. Hello and welcome back to the Pip Podcast. I'm your host, Veronica. I'm your other host, Amanda. And today we're going to continue our conversations we've been having the last episodes or so talking about being more intuitive to our menstrual cycles. And learning, yeah, period talks and how to like use it to our advantage, which is like a weird concept as adults. I say we're, I can't believe we're adults. Sometimes I think I'm still a teenager. (laughs) (laughs) Sometimes I definitely am. I'm like, are we adults? Is that the proper word? Yes, Veronica, we are adults. Um, (laughs) Where, you know, as we both shared, we, we, we fucking hate our periods when yep. we were younger. Still the in a little suckers. bit of a yeah, still on a learning curve of learning to love them and mm-hmm. being more in in tune to the different phases of our cycle. And we're doing that today, talking more about movement in our cycle with Jillian. She is the owner of this yoga studio I go to, which is the Yoga Vine which also happens to have um, integrative health as well. So yes. she is the studio owner. She's a yoga instructor as well as a Pilates instructor. So we want to pick her brain as someone who moves and makes other people move for a living. And how do we And <laughs> menstruates. How do we learn to listen to our body and be in tune with the different phases of our cycles that we're in? which Mm -hmm. our last episode with Dr. Shea, who is a naturopathic doctor who has practiced out of the Yoga Vine Integrative Health Studio. So if you haven't listened to that episode, defo recommend that. She kind of walked us through the different four phases of our cycle. They're a great pair. Dr. Shea walked us through what the four phases are, how the hormones affect our body and how we feel emotionally, but also sometimes physically. So kind of expanding on that with Jillian as, you know, someone who works out for a living. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, we're, we're, we're trying to learn that ourselves and yes. separate. And we know nobody guilt. knows, like not no enough people. <laughs> so <No. laughs> we're you're welcome. You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> Separating and unpacking, like listening to my body and being like, no, I'm exhausted. I'm on my period. I don't want to work out today. It's not good for me. Yeah. I slept versus, three hours because yeah. I've been like up all night with the sweats before my period. Like, yeah. no, I don't need to go to the gym. <laughs> no, I don't versus <laughs> maybe I could take a little not, stretch and a sip yeah. of water. <laughs> yeah. Versus not going because I maybe feel lazy or I'm guilting myself into going, mm-hmm. even though my body is literally telling me with every fiber of its being, please don't fucking go in a hot room today. Yeah, please. <laughs> yeah. Now, Mina, you've been you've been working on this yourself with like yeah. weightlifting. Give us I an feel... update. Okay, so yeah, been two months. Um, well, maybe 
almost three no more like two months two and a half it's been a while like since we started yeah. PIP and us doing a lot of research into mm-hmm. cycles and and also just being friends with you also helps me be mm-hmm. just like better into my cycle and understanding myself and I used to just like push myself and I noticed I was just at a peak like I wasn't losing weight I actually was like holding on to weight like you yeah. couldn't even tell that I was going to the gym every day and I was feeling like shite and my periods yeah. were also fucking awful. Shite. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> now uh didn't take any pain relief uh this this month for my period. And I actually like listened to my body every day. And I just felt after workouts really good and not mm-hmm. like shit and not like I was dragging my ass all day and I just, yeah, I feel Woo-hoo. a lot better and my sleep's been amazing. And I also yeah, only she sleeps like one a zit before my period. Oh. Wow. Uh, yeah. One. Yeah. Cause your I sleep know. cycle's fucked. Like yeah. you never sleep and it's no. insane. So I'm um, that <laughs> is what I'm most happy about. I'm happy about all of it, but specifically the fact that you're sleeping better. Oh yeah. My period, Yay. I took a, I had a couple days off and I slept nine hours. Ooh, nine. That's I wonderful. know not getting up at six because I saw this peak of sun and I was like, it's time to go. <laughs> That's so good. Yeah. Keep it up. It That's good. awesome. I'm mm-hmm. so proud of you. Thanks. I appreciate that. Feels really nice. You know what else I've been doing this whole week is what? because I've been just so tired from that weekend and then starting my period is like, um, instead of having like a second or a third cup of coffee, making a little herby tea. Holy shit. And I'm like, who am I? Who are you? <laughs> what the fuck, right? So I've only been having one coffee in my morning coffee. And then I'm making like a tea. Wow. Like, what? Who is she? I don't even know who she is. And somehow that feels better. Because my brain's like, I'm tired. But like, I, it's almost like it was like, I really don't want the caffeine. Like, yeah, I'm tired, I want... but I don't want this stimulant. I just want something yes. to like sip on and calm me and make me feel good. Yes. Inside. Who am that I? Is what... I? Girl. What the fuck? <laughs> Listen, I am half Italian. I have been drinking coffee and espresso since I was 12 years old. Yeah, you well, love coffee. Like, I'm so surprised right now. My face hurts. <laughs> Chuck. Yeah. I know my mother would disown me for saying this like that like <laughs> and my mom's not even the Italian one my dad's the Italian one and like coffee, loves the coffee. Is my whole upbringing <laughs> surrounded coffee and it still does so ha- I'm yes. never gonna not have coffee but like it was kind of nice to just be like am I making at one point at work I grabbed my little mug to go make a coffee because we have these fancy coffee machines all over work and I was like about to make one and I kind of just stopped and I'm like sitting in the middle of the fucking hallway with my coffee <laughs> mug in my hand about to start the machine. And I was like, like, are you making this because like you want it? And if you want it, you should have it. hundred percent. You should have the coffee, but do you actually want it? Yeah. Or are you like, just drinking it? Cause you have to, or feel like you have to, I feel like because I it's like, like habitual. Yeah. I was like, I don't actually think I want this no and you did drop 
Yeah. All right. Well, that's enough of us chatting. We're ready to start <laughs> with Jillian. Yeah. Just so you know, we're awesome and we're killing it at life right now. So yeah, we're doing so too. good. So that's our update. <laughs> so enjoy this episode and conversation with Jillian from the Yoga Vine. Deep dive in a little bit more. We should have asked her a coffee question. We didn't. Next time. No. <laughs> I don't know so. if she drank coffee. We'll have to ask her next time. Yeah. But enjoy the episode. Enjoy. <laughs> Okay, let's welcome our guest for today, Jillian. She is a yoga and Pilates instructor, as well as the owner of the Yoga Vine, which is the yoga studio I go to. So welcome onto the podcast, Jillian. Thank you so much for having me. Of course. Did you want to tell everyone a little bit about yourself, kind of your background, your spiel, and why you decided to open up a yoga and integrative health studio? Sure. So, um, I, uh, I, I opened the studio with a partner about five years ago since then, um, she and I had parted ways. That's a, that's a story for a whole other podcast, maybe just to get <laughs> entrepreneurship and partnerships. Um, but, uh, Yeah, I started the studio about five years ago. I was in corporate marketing. I've been in marketing and PR throughout my whole career and kind of just looking for something more. I would move my job, you know, every couple of years because I would get bored and think that, oh, now I need to work in academics. Now I need to work in corporate. Now I need, you know, like just kind of like thirsty for something else. All the while, you know, practicing yoga since I've been, you know, 20 years old, really. And um, and I just decided to take my yoga teacher training as a way to, you know, spark my curiosity, see where it goes. I never was intending that I would open up a studio per se. And in the training, it was kind of like just trusting, taking the first step in something. You don't have to see the whole, you know, vision, but just doing something different. And I wanted to see what doors would open. And that's where I met my, my business partner at the time. We were both doing our teacher training and we okay. hit it off and we decided to open the studio before we were even done our training. Which- oh, <laughs> wow. Um, so, you know, we had construction underway before we graduated. And even our mentor was like, I've never seen this. She's Katie at De La Soul. She's an amazing human and amazing mentor. And um, she was like, wow, I've never seen anyone do this. You guys are pretty, um, you know, confident in yourselves to do this. Not necessarily confident in your teaching because that takes time, but just in mm-hmm. your vision. And so, yeah, we decided to go for it and um, leave it all behind. I left my I left my job, quit McMaster University, where I was working at the time, which was kind of a job that I had worked up towards being at and left. Yeah, it's not easy to get into a university job at all. Wow. Right. Yeah. (laughs) So, I mean, it was um, but it was the best thing I ever did. And so um, I was able to use a lot of the skills that I had from that time in my life and put them towards the studio and just, you know, be brave and take risks and suck at something at the beginning in order to get good at it you know like of course here we are opening up a studio thinking we've never really formally taught a yoga class before (laughs) yeah (laughs) what are we thinking right what if you hated it (laughs) I knew I wouldn't hate it I I mean that's blind faith right like you just have to just really say I I I know that I'm not satisfied what I'm doing in what I'm doing and I kind of reached 
to the point where I wanted to get to, there wasn't as much growth there. And for mm-hmm. me, this field is, is there's so much more growth oriented in terms of personal development and just mm-hmm. connecting with people. That's really what I wanted through the studio was to have more meaningful connections with people, less surface talk and more mm-hmm. like, you know, helping people in some ways is what it's all about. And um, was it always also the integrative health space? Cause I know you have Dr. Shea, who was on our podcast, a naturopathy and some osteopathy there. Like, was that always part of it too? More that, was part of, that was part of the vision. Um, mm-hmm. And that a, a lot of that came from my business partner at the time. Her husband was a physician, is a physician, and she um, was a dietitian. So oh, there was a vision oh, okay. to have those integrative practices <laughs> in with the studio and then have like a cross referral program where if you're seeing the dietitian, then you can see the naturopath or the physiotherapist. If you're coming in for yoga and we notice that you have injuries or alignment, maybe, you know, her, her partner was, or her husband was a sports medicine doctor. So that, and so he was out of the, out of the clinic side. And honestly, that was one of the best decisions that we made. That's what helped us put, we, her and I, I bought her out from the studio right at the beginning of the pandemic. Mm -hmm. And, um, I, I say to this day, like the integrative portion of the business is really what helped us get through the pandemic because the yoga portion closed, but we were still offering what they had deemed essential services. Mm -hmm. And, um, so all of our practitioners were able to continue seeing people and the business model really helped us at that time. And it continues to, to, to do that. So, um, Mm -hmm. it's just a great way to kind of filter people in and out to what they need. Where is the the yoga vine? It's in Beamsville. Beamsville and Lincoln. Yeah. Yeah. It's like right by the wineries. It's literally by the wineries. (laughs) That's hence our name. We're trying, we were trying to play that up. But I think a lot of people see practitioners for treatment, but then, you know, lifestyle is where the challenge is and consistency. So you can go for one treatment and you're not going to get fixed that way. So, you know, Mm -hmm. that's where the yoga practice comes in to make sure that they're continuing on with some form of self-care rather Mm -hmm. than just one and done or to see, you know, a practitioner once every two weeks and not be able to upkeep your health in any way. It's a good support for each other. Definitely. What are the, all the functional medicine things that are offered at the yoga vine? Right now we have osteopathy. Currently, currently we have osteopathy, acupuncture, acupuncture, a natural path. We have Reiki and we have Thai massage. Oh, okay. Yeah. What is a Thai massage? Mm -hmm. Thai massage is like almost like, uh, well, you're, it's, active stretching with the practitioner using their body to stretch you out. So you're kind of like holding yoga pose it Well, he's in this case, our Thai massage uh, practitioners, Brad. And so you might be in like a, a certain yoga pose, for example, and he's helping you twist a little bit deeper or deepen the stretch on your, on your leg, or it's like an active partner stretch. I mean, he could probably describe it a lot better and do it justice. It's my favorite type of massage. hundred uh, percent. I, I love it. Um, yeah, it's really cool. Interesting. That's what you always want. It's like, you're like, come on, just like push my leg a little bit. Yeah. I always ask my fiance to push my leg a little bit yeah. when I'm stretching. And the pressure so of his true. body, like the way that he can use his two bodies, you know, are inter give you the best pressure. So in, in, instead of foam rolling, for example, 
with Brad, mm. this Thai practitioner, if he uses his elbow in the same way along that muscle line, it just feels different because it's body on body, right? So mm -hmm. intuitively, mm -hmm. he can shape your muscle line differently than like a tool or an object could. So that's what I like. It's very, it's, it's two people, you know, it's healing in that way. That sounds amazing. Ooh. I yeah. love the foam roll. <laughs> I love yeah. a foam roll too. So like a personal <laughs> human foam roller. Yeah. <laughs> nice. So what made you want to do Pilates as well? Because I know you teach that too at the studio. I do not go to your Pilates classes. <laughs> I've never done Pilates actually. I don't even really know what it is. So one, on one hand, what is Pilates versus yoga? I think that would be because I don't really know. All I know is Pilates with the reformers. If I see people on those machines. Yeah. And then what made you like, did you do Pilates be before you went to yoga teacher training? Was that like afterwards? Mm -hmm. How did that get built into it? That was after. And, um, it was after, and we were just looking for new ways to add on services to, to what we were doing with our movement. And the type of Pilates that I teach isn't classical Pilates like you would see on a reformer. It's um, it's a specific brand of Pilates. What is called the reformer, people? Ref Pilates reformer is where you're using like <laughs> this machine. It was created by a man named Joseph Pilates. And I think he created the reformer. Don't quote me on that. But um, it's like using this apparatus to be able to stretch and lengthen your muscles. Um, okay. And it was created I think in the early 19, I don't know the year, but it's not that, not that old, like in the 1900s. Um, and so the, the type of Pilates that I teach is more like a workout style Pilates. Um, it's using Pilates principles um, in more of like a hit style workout. So it's all low impact core focused in the hot room Um and, and it's meant to sort of like lengthen and lean out your muscles, but it's all low impact. So really Pilates is a huge core focus. Everything comes from your center, from your core and breathing. It's not that far off. Like it's similar to yoga. There's breath work involved, not in the same way as yoga. Um, but for me, it was more about adding in like a fun, like yoga is more of a work in. I want to say there's a lot of discourse even in the yoga community about yoga becoming especially more westernized and it becoming like a workout style class, which we do mm -hmm. offer. If you do a power class, it yeah. can be a workout, right? It is. Um, it is. It is. <laughs> it is a workout. And so Pilates is it, it, this in this in this instance, the infernal hot Pilates that we have is, is a, is a workout. It's a fun workout. It originated in Las Vegas. And so the music and the vibe is supposed to be like just a good time and a really good workout. So Party. yeah. <laughs> So let's maybe talk a bit about more of like the overarching topic of why we wanted to have you on and this idea of learning to incorporate different types of movement based off of where you are in your menstrual cycle. Because as Amanda and I are like trying to get more in tune with all of this, um, we've started to realize like, if you really pay attention to it, maybe it can help explain why you had like really kicked the power classes ass that day versus a week later, you feel like shit during and you want to die and you don't want to be there and you don't feel good. And then how that can all be related to the different stages of your cycle and why it maybe is beneficial 
to maybe change how you're working. I know Amanda's really trying to actively do that. Um, yeah, I find it really helped my period over the last two months since I've been implementing it. Like I get pretty bad period symptoms and this time I did not need to take any pain relief for cramps for the first time. in like, I don't even know how long because mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm not, not trying to like smash it at the gym. Yeah. yeah. I'm not lifting every day. I she's trying to lift like 50 pounds and stuff. And she's like about to start yeah. a period. It's like those two <laughs> things maybe shouldn't go together. So we'd love your, mm-hmm. you know, take on that as someone who is a professional instructor with yoga and Pilates and running a studio with integrative health and kind of getting to that as you were even just saying, like more of like the working in, which you've said to me before, yes. too, you got to work in, not always work out. Yeah. So what is your like take on that? And how do you maybe see it as someone who teaches? Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, what's interesting, first of all, is yoga is all about body awareness. And so the first thing that we want to mm-hmm. look at when it comes to exercise and our cycle is tracking the cycle, right? So a lot of us aren't even doing that. And so if you want to nope. pull from the first and most, you know, important concept of yoga is awareness is being aware of your cycle, where you are in your cycle and understanding, breaking down the cycle into its different phases. So I would say that's the most powerful tool that we can do first when we want to look at how to improve, how we experience our periods and, and our performance and our recovery um, when it comes to sports on our period. It's to, first of all, understand that it's not just about getting your period, understanding when you ought, when you're ovulating, Mm -hmm. when you're premenstrual, when you're, you know, all of these phases. So doing the research, having an app, or even a little notebook to track where you are in your cycle is obviously the first thing. And what's also interesting is that it's definitely an under-researched field. Like there's more (laughs) research that's coming out, but because, you know, medicine has been male dominated throughout the years mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. even sports and exercise oh, have the oh, focus yeah. has been strictly on men. So a lot of the times they're researching women as if we're little men when it comes to performance and sports and recovery and all these things. And so it's, it's just emerging now, good quality research. I found a, I found a quote and it was like in from 2014, between 2014 and 2020 in medical exercise and sports journals, there was only like 6% of the stories took or articles took into account anything to do with a woman's menstrual cycle in any research, only 6%. Bar years, right? <laughs> so yeah. it's like how that that's when we make know, up concerning. 50% of the world and make up the population. Yeah. <laughs> so it's, it's only starting to be talked about, which I think is really important. Like I, I was also reading that there's a, a basketball team in the UA in the UK that just, just requested a uniform change because their shorts and their uniform was white. Right. Mm-hmm. And so it's actually impacting, I mean, that's, they're probably not the first team to want to do this, but it made more headlines because they changed their shorts to Navy because they're worried about you know, potentially bleeding through their shorts and how that would affect their performance in the game. It was just an extra stress that they didn't want. And then even Mm -hmm. in tennis where the uniform or the standard dress code is all white, Mm -hmm. right? And that's not actually conducive to a woman who might be on her period, right? So it just, all these little things in 
the world of exercise and sport are so male dominated. Mm -hmm. And um, it's interesting, like I said, that it's coming around now and these subtle considerations, which are a big deal. Like if I was playing sports on my period, I don't know if I would choose a white I wouldn't mm-hmm. choose we used to have a white suit for uh, my basketball team <laughs> in high school. And one girl, she actually had her period through the pants and she was so, so embarrassed. And we all fell for her because we're like, that's literally my worst fear. And it just happened yeah. to you. <laughs> right. And and people like would probably take photos and post it all over the internet. Well, that's the <laughs> thing, right? And it's just, it's just the fact that for so often, especially in this, in this field of exercise and sport, we are studied as if we're small men. And that's mm-hmm. absolutely, you know, not the case. When so, I, um, when I watched like tennis, which is not very often, I don't, I'm not a big tennis connoisseur, but my parents love to watch tennis. And my husband's like recently really gotten into watching tennis. He watches every sport. He's one of those guys. But when I watch <laughs> these girls play tennis, it can be for like five hours. And I'm just like, do you have a minute to like one P two change your, change your camp on? Okay. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, like what? And then if they don't, because when's this, when's it, when is this, they don't even have space to drink water. And they're wearing these little teeny tiny white scores. I'm like, <laughs> that's mortifying. And even if it doesn't happen, even if you don't actually have an accident, it's just this, it's just, it's, this it's in your head, the whole time. in your mind that it could happen. Mm-hmm. So of course that's could affect how you play the game or how you, you know, show up in that, in that area of your life. So, uh, yeah, I think it's just, it's really cool. The work that you guys are doing to bring more awareness to it. And even me personally to bring more awareness, even around my clients. Cause I do have a lot of people that say, what the heck? Like I, last week I did that power class and I mm-hmm. nailed it. And this mm-hmm. week I'm struggling. I can't, yeah. I, I feel like I have no energy and no motivation and, or that they feel like their fitness is going backwards. And that's not the case. Like you, your motivation and your fitness is affected by the, the phases of your cycle and the different levels of hormones that are running through your body. So it's interesting because we want to judge ourselves so much and we don't need to do mm-hmm. that because physiologically our body is going through so much change. And there are recommendations that you can do, even just being able to follow what's happening inside, you can create like a cycle of exercise that is synced with your cycle. And mm-hmm. so that you're complementing what's happening in your body rather than working against it. And then whatever you're goals are like, even if it's say, for example, to burn more fat or fat loss, you might not necessarily need a high impact workout when you are, let's say bleeding or menstruating because you don't have the energy and you're just causing more stress to the body and more inflammation. And you're going actually against the goals, right? So we don't always need to drive hard when that's not what the body needs at that moment. Right, Amanda? (laughs) Yes. Can you please yeah, go over each cycle and then kind of maybe like a prescribed exercise during that time period if you yeah. So like the, the, you're at the beginning of your cycle is the first few days of your period, right? That's the first, like if you, I like to, there's, there's so many ways to break it down, but you have the first phase was, which is the follicular phase, follicular phase. And that includes the first day you get your period. And this is my understanding. I mean, I'm not a medical doctor. We have to say like, I am not, you know, we're not either. It's cool. Right. We have a disclaimer. We have a, like, we have a disclaimer. <laughs> my understanding of it um, up until you ovulate until you're until you ovulate that's the first portion of your cycle. And so definitely when you're, when you're, when you're 
you know, actually bleeding is a time where your hormones, like you, your energy is low and you definitely want more restorative practices. I would say like you're looking at yin yoga or even meditation, mm-hmm. um, because your cortisol levels are high. Your stress hormone are really high at that time. And so again, you don't want to be causing more stress. Like that seems obvious, but for some not everybody has the same energy levels or the same 28 day cycle. We should say that as well. Mm-hmm. Right. And I think that's what affects the research that's coming out is because every woman's body experiences their cycle differently. Yeah. But there are generalized hard to study. <laughs> right. So let's say at the, when you're bleeding, I would say restorative practices, slow down, even meditation. Like when we talk about exercise, we're focused on the body, but what's happening in the brain, right? Mm-hmm. Like exercise for the brain meditation to stay calm because it's going to help you manage even the symptoms of your period that you might be experiencing. So, and then as you start to approach your ovulation, you're going to see more energy. And so a lot of people will suggest that if you're say weightlifting, or you're looking for something that's a little bit more strenuous in the gym, that is the time it right before you ovulate. And right after is the time that you might want to be hitting your personal bests. Like if you're weight training, add on a few more plates to your bar at that time. Right. Mm -hmm. And then as you start to phase down towards your PMS and getting your period in your looter cycle, that's when you want to, again, think about slowing it down. Right. And but not stopping, because the the thing with maintaining the side effects of your period or kind of like um, helping them is to not stop and not just do something here and then take a break. And then if you, if you don't usually do that and you start doing it, like consistency is the key, right? And so you don't have to completely stop at that time, but definitely again, coming back to the slower restorative style practices, like it, it's, it sounds pretty basic, but it, it is like when you're bleeding or you're pre-menstruating, I would slow it down when mm-hmm. you're around the time of your ovulation. That's when you want to go a little bit harder. Yeah. I also too, like, this is more recent of me is being like, if I'm, you know, having an endo flare or something, I just won't go. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I'll just cancel the class. I did that all week this week. I was like, I literally like, there's no way I'm just going to hurt myself. It's not worth it. Like Mm -hmm. for what, for what? Like, it's okay. If I don't go to like two classes this week, it's not the end of the world. I mean, I feel better after the fact too if I just like relax today and take it easy and not like do twisting in a hot room, like that's not really probably the best thing to be doing when then other times I can do a power class on my period and I feel fine. It just depends too of like how everything's maybe feeling that cycle. Cause even cycle to cycle, you can have cycles that are way better than others. Mm -hmm, Definitely. Yeah, I agree. I mean, that comes back to the main point about awareness, right? And yoga Mm -hmm. teaches awareness. So the more you get in touch with the body and the more you listen, the better it is, right? So if you don't feel like going to a yoga class, definitely don't go right. Like there's no, don't Mm -hmm. put the pressure on yourself. And the other thing to remember is yoga doesn't have to be done in a classroom with other people under the guidance of a teacher, right? Yoga really begins the moment you start paying attention to what's happening right now. Mm -hmm. now. That's when yoga starts, right? This week I canceled one, one of the classes this week and I just did something at home instead. And I felt so good afterwards because I only did it for like 20 minutes with the AC on. And I just did what felt like intuitive and I needed like a lot of like hip opening. And I was like, man, 
that was like, that felt really good. I still did something, but I didn't go to an hour class where it's 101 degrees. Because you felt you had to. Yeah. Because <laughs> I felt like I had to. I did it because I wanted to, mm-hmm. but without feeling like guilty about not, not going to Tuesday's class where the Tuesday night class in particular at Jillian's studio, like that's the hottest room in my, mm-hmm. that I feel like of all mm-hmm. the hot classes, that one in particular, sometimes like 105 in there. I was like, there's no way I can go into a 105 room right now. I will probably faint. Well, and your temperature does go up, they say, in in your third week of your cycle, right? So right when you're PMSing right before you get your period, there are some schools of thought who say avoid hot, hot yoga at that time when your temperature is naturally high, you don't necessarily need to put more stress in a hot room. So that might be, you know, sync to that time. But I've heard that too, because of the cardio exercise, like not slowing it down and doing more like walking and stuff, not like trying to like beat your best sprint. Exactly. During that phase of your cycle. I'm wondering though, Jillian, like how does, how do you do this as an instructor? Mm Because I've seen you have a period. I've noticed sometimes (laughs) like Jillian's the kind of teacher. I don't know about what you do in Pilates because I don't, don't go to your Pilates classes, but sometimes you're just walking around the room and you'll do one or two poses. And then other times I feel like you do a lot more. And I wonder, I'm like, is that because she can or can't, or is she on like doing it with her own cycle? Or is it just on a whim based off of how you're feeling in the class? Like, how do you do that as someone who is, you know, leading workout classes multiple times a day? It's your job to move. Yeah, Yeah. Your job is to literally move. I mean, I'm, through yoga, I've been able to get more in touch with the, with my body and definitely listen. I have to say that I've been pretty lucky with having fairly easy periods throughout my life. Like, um, so it's not something that per se has like slowed me down in that sense. Maybe before I didn't listen as much as I should have. And I definitely do now. Mm-hmm. Um, when I'm actually bleeding and on my period, that's, that's definitely when I need to slow down. There are, there are some people that suggest you, you shouldn't even do inversions, for example, when you're on your period, not to go upside down, which, you know, I, I could see that makes sense. I'll do a headstand on my period. I, that doesn't matter to me. It doesn't bother me. But I think that's ancient, you know, ancient yogis who, who, you know, have some older mindsets around that, but there are physiological reasons that you might want to not want to invert yourself if you are in fact, you know, on your period. But for me, when it comes to teaching yeah, my energy levels will be determined by my cycle, but it's determined also by how much sleep I got that night, Mm -hmm. like so Mm -hmm. many other lifestyle factors. And I teach so intuitively that when I go into the room, it's, it's actually no longer really about me. And it's about, you know, the people that are in the room. And so if I feel like my presence needs to be felt by walking around and maybe giving hands-on adjustments to people, then I'll do that. You might see me walking around more likely in a slower class. Um, If I feel like we're doing a flow, then I might want to demonstrate that a few times to make so that everybody's got it if it's a little bit more complicated. But I definitely, I mean, it it comes to that, comes back to intuition and Mm -hmm. listening. And um, sometimes I, I would say, depending on where I am in my cycle, I'm less like, I want to say less, you know, I'm more quiet and more reserved. And so I'll give you less philosophical considerations in the class and I'll be more, you know, more reserved in what I want to share that day. Um, Yeah. So I think, but I think really I stopped thinking about 
my needs and I start thinking about what everybody else in the room, you know, needs and, Mm -hmm. and tapping into that. So. Dr. Shea actually mentioned like during the, the parts of your brain that you access during certain points of your cycle and like why you may feel more creative and like more Mm -hmm. like a people person, as opposed to like right during your cycle where you're like, yeah, I'd rather just hang out with my like close knit crew about now. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I mean, I know when I'm on my period, for example, that's when I want to be in my like sacred feminine and I want to take baths and I want to pull out my stones and I want to, you know, be fully engaging in this deep, intuitive, restful practices. Like I feel very, very in touch with my feminine. Right. And then when I'm ovulating, it feels like there's more of a masculine side that comes out. And that's when I want to like push, push, push. And, and, Mm -hmm. and, and I'm, I have more energy, but I like, I used to, um, loathe my period. And now as I get older, I have to say, like, I actually appreciate getting my period every month. It's something that is like, beautiful it kind of makes sense now Mm -hmm. I feel like a lot of us hate our period because we're like this fucking thing just like getting (laughs) staining all my clothes and just showing up and causing havoc (laughs) yeah ruining plans everything but like when you talk about actually tracking your cycle and then uh exercising and listening to your body and all that stuff then it's like okay well I guess it's not that bad it's just like I need to love myself a bit more take a couple extra baths or Like go for a massage that week, like just make things a little bit easier on you. It's how do you know if, yeah, exactly. How do you know if you're just being lazy though? And like, or just listening to yourself. This is something Amanda and I are personally (laughs) struggling with a lot. (laughs) Like, am I working out because I want to, or am I working out because society tells me I should? And then on the flip, we're always like, (laughs) am I not going to yoga tonight because I don't feel good or I'm really tired I need to rest or am I not going because I'm lazy? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think that's a really good question. Unlocking the key to motivation is like probably what every trainer or, you know, fitness teacher, yoga instructor wants to understand is how you can help people break out of feeling stuck and not being able to actually get to class or take on the movement. But I think, again, it comes down to, awareness and asking yourself, like, how, why do I feel like I don't want to do this today? Is it because I didn't sleep? Like I would say, if you're an early morning person and you come to 6am classes, sleep is more important than that hour of yoga. Yeah. So if you didn't get a good sleep that, and that took a long time for me to even clue into that. Like I would wake up and I would be so tired and I'd be like, I got to go to that class. Like for me to practice fitting in the time to practice, But now I realize that hour of sleep is so much more beneficial to my body than the exercise. But we've been conditioned to think, oh, you have, you know, whatever your goals are, exercise is going to get you there. And Mm -hmm. so you're doing it for the wrong reasons. But I think just asking yourself, okay, I need that sleep. That's more important, right? I'm tired. That that workout's not going to do anything for me. It's just going to make me even more fatigued, right? So yeah, then inflamed. (laughs) Exactly. If you didn't sleep or again, if you're on your period, ask yourself, okay, where am I? This makes sense. I have low energy because I'm at this phase, you know, at this phase, phase in my period. So once you've kind of looked at all of the 
physiological factors in the body, it'll give you a better understanding. And then you can look at the mindset, right? And, and understand what's affecting the motivation levels. And it can be your period. It can be excuses. It can be your partner can be so many, so many different things. Um, but I think it's like the more time that you give yourself to think about doing something, the more likely you're not going to do it. Right. And so it's like five, four, three, two, one, like you're going or you're not like, if you haven't gone within five seconds of making the decision, you're probably, you know, you're not going to go. Right. So it's, what does your instinct want? You know, and if your instinct Mm -hmm. is like, not today, ask yourself why it is that and break down, you know, what's happening in your body so that it makes a little bit more sense. And then you might be able to call yourself out a little bit easier and say, you know what, like, I kind of just am making excuses. Like my body feels fine. I had enough rest. I ate proper nutrition. I'm going to get my butt to the gym, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Or to yoga. Yeah. But it's just breaking What's down. the recommended sleep? amount of sleep? Eight hours. You say? Eight, eight hours, okay. I would say. Yeah. Girl, I mean, every, yeah, again, everybody's body is different. Mm-hmm. Everybody's body is different. Some people need less sleep. It depends on where you are in your <laughs> life cycle, right? Like yeah. as you yeah. age, actually say seniors will need less sleep then you are a child, right? Like children, it's Mm -hmm. 10 to 12 hours. And then, you know, in, in your midlife, it can range from, I would say eight hours is a general. Yeah. Women need more sleep than men do. Yeah. More Mm -hmm. is happening within our bodies. Way more. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But also I think what I like about yoga going back to your question about like, how do you know what exercise to do or when to do it? If you're just making excuses, understanding that like all exercise doesn't have to be hard. Right. Yeah. That's something Amanda and I are actively trying to learn too. <laughs> yeah. Go hard or go home. Yeah. Right. It's like, and it's you don't like- always have to feel like a, you got hit by a truck and like, exactly. actually you shouldn't feel like shit after a workout. That's not good. (laughs) No, you want more energy, right? Like, Mm -hmm. especially if it's a faster moving class, but in the case that you feel like, oh, I don't feel like that hot power class or weight training, maybe there's another style of exercise that you can do. Like you can simply just go for a walk, right? And that's going to serve you better. You don't have to do nothing because keep in mind, having some consistency movement in your body is going to help regulate your mood, your stress, PMS symptoms that you may be feeling, you know, back pain, things like that. Some movement is good, some gentle stretching, right? So it doesn't have to be all or nothing. I think that's a really important part that women need to understand. Like for women, it's, it's okay to, do a gentle practice. It's probably more aligned with mm-hmm. the divine feminine, honestly. And we're, I don't want to get into gender roles. And again, that's a whole other, but to slow down and to nurture yourself through a slower mm-hmm. practice through breath work. Like when we talk about yoga, sometimes you can eliminate the postures altogether. You don't have to do any asana. You're still doing yoga. If you sit down and you take a few deep breaths, right? Or you sit down in meditation for five minutes. Like Mm -hmm. I would say on the days that you don't feel like going to the gym, sit down and meditate. That's going to give you the most, it's going to change the brain matter in your brain, the gray matter rather. And it's going to give you a new kind of perspective. And maybe that's what you needed is not, is not to push your body, but to just make time to listen to it. And that is meditation. So that's why I think yoga I'm so intrigued by it is because 
it can fit whoever you are and whatever you need in whatever moment you're in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's so many different styles of practice. Yeah. I did a yin yoga yesterday and I was like, oh yeah, this mm. hit the spot. Mm-hmm. Right. Really nice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I always say to people, like you see the A types, they're in the fast classes. They think they need to move, move, move. They want to stay busy. But those are the people that you want to see in the slower class. Like if you're used to going fast, 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 you probably need a slow class. And if you're always slow, you might benefit from something that's going to get you going a little bit more, especially Mm -hmm. if you feel like you're in a funk of some sort, change it up, right? If you're fast all the time, go slow. If you're slow all the time, do something that's just a little bit more activating because it's going to balance you out. Yeah. I only recently started to like have like a, my like weekly routine is like a big variety of different types of classes. And it's like, Oh, like my, you feel so good. Cause you just have a couple of classes where they're hot power and they're really intense and you feel like you get a really good workout in. And then you're complimenting that with like slower flows and like not as hot as of rooms. And you're like, Oh yeah, I really needed that slow flow today. Absolutely. You touched a little bit on breath work and that was something we wanted to talk to you about too. So like, mm-hmm. how do you see breath work in just maybe even just everyday life, but also when you're trying to get to know your cycle a bit better, how do you see maybe breath work playing into, into that? Well, I mean, breath is a big part of yoga, right? So yoga can be broken down into three main components, I would say, and that is meditation, breath, and shapes like postures, which we call asana. So breath is like just as important as the shapes that you make and you don't need to take any specific shapes. So it's one of the easiest ways that you can practice yoga wherever you are, right? Without having to even lay down a mat. And um, the breath is what's going to create the mind-body connection, right? So that's the pathway. The breath is the pathway to make the mind-body connection. And it also down-regulates your nervous system, right? It gets you out of that fight or flight, the stress response into rest and digest for your, for your nervous system. So it's really, um, it, it helps to really calm you down. And most mm-hmm. of the time you notice if you're stressed, you're shallow breathing, And even just to slow down and take a few deep breaths into your belly is going to naturally calm you down. And it's going to definitely help with emotional regulation, which is big going back to your period. If you want to talk about emotions and the different hormones that are going through your body, you're going to go through different emotional states too. So Mm -hmm. yeah, to take a few deep breaths, like there's millions of pranayama exercises in yoga that you can do. Um, but just taking deep belly breaths is one of the easiest ways to downregulate and help control your mood. Mm -hmm. And, um, yeah, I would say, I would say, so when it comes to, to breath work, like just taking a few breaths between each thing that you do, I think is a really interesting way to move through your life too. So let's say like you're coming home from work and you're going to walk in and greet your spouse, take a minute in your car and take five deep breaths. So you're finishing with, with what you just did and you're, and you're kind of like clearing your mind and you're preparing to now be present and not take work 
into your home, right? And so then, mm -hmm. so it's a way to bring you into the present moment and take those few deep breaths so that the next thing you do after that, you move into it consciously because yeah. so often either we don't have, we're not giving ourselves enough time between each activity that we have to get to in this life or um, we're just moving so quickly, right? And it's like, take a few breaths or take a few breaths before you respond to somebody, right? You're going to be less reactionary and you're going to have a minute to just breathe, right? A lot of people breathe in and out of their mouth, which is, you know, okay. But we suggest in, in for a restful standard yogic breath to breathe in and out of your nose, right? That's going to slow you down. And, and I've read before that in, in indigenous cultures, it's more efficient to breathe in and out of your nose. Those little mm -hmm. nostril hairs are there to help purify the air. Like everything is there for a reason. And a lot of people say, if you mouth breathe, that it actually changes the structure of your brain. Yeah, it can. It can change your jaw structure. Right. And indigenous mm -hmm. cultures, they, I've read that they would tape their, the, the children's mouths closed so that they would breathe in and out of their nose and they would learn that and stop doing at a young age so that when they get older, that mm. it was more efficient breathing in of their nose. There's a lot of breath work, specific controlled breath exercises that involved in and out of the mouth. But I would say an easy, resting, efficient breath is in and out of your nose. So focus on that first mm -hmm. and then focus on your exhale. Like if you want to really keep it simple, focus on trying to make your exhale longer then your inhale. That's really hard to do, right? So yes, sure. the breath work is about down regulation and about bringing you into the present moment. And again, and it's about making the connection between your mind and your body. It's like the bridge. Mm -hmm. When I started law school, the very first thing they they taught me on like my first day of law school was like how to breathe. <laughs> I was like, Huh? I don't understand. And this person came in and they were like, I teach Supreme Court judges how to breathe. And I was like, what does that mean? <laughs> Everyone knows how to breathe. But it was like this one breath exercise in particular. And I still do it all the time. And it is like the most calming thing. And it clears out all like the stagnant air in your lungs. And you never feel like a deeper breath in your life until you do that. Yeah. And I like always remember that because I was like, what the hell? What do you mean teach judges how to breathe? But it, it's like a, it's real. And my sister who like, you know, Jillian, she, I started taking her to a lot of uh, the classes at the studio. She's has um, pretty severe ADHD. And so even though she takes medication, she can sometimes be all over the place and she has a very stressful job. She's a NICU nurse. So she deals with mm -hmm. premature babies day in and day out. And she does a lot of night shifts. So mm -hmm. she can get burnt out really, really easily. So I started to take her with me to help her like have good routine. When she moved in with us, I was like, you need to like have some structure in your life. We need to fix whatever this is. <laughs> um, and it was always really hard for her to close her eyes in class. Yeah. She wouldn't know where her brain would go. And she would be all over the place. And if she had to hold a pose, like she dreaded going to slower classes because she, mm -hmm. she wanted the, like, you know, like the 45 minute hot one that you were doing on Mondays, like blast right that. Cause she, she, it was so constant. She didn't have to like think and to hold a pose was like, she would dread it. Oh my God. She would dread it. And now she like, she's so good. Like she closes her eyes. She does the breath work. She's like so Zen in these poses. And like, I'm kind of fidgety in them sometimes. And I look over at her and she's just like 
she's not even fidgeting. And I'm like, I've never not seen Vic fidget. Like, <laughs> especially yeah, she like, fell asleep. She did. She fell asleep yeah. in the hot like stone class the other weekend. She fell asleep a few times at one point. <laughs> I felt so, I like started laughing. I was so bad because she was so Zen. She like pulled her head up and like looked at me when we were changing sides. And the she was just so relaxed. But it killed me. It was so funny. She had like the lines of the towel, like the blanket on her face. And I burst out (laughs) laughing and I could barely cover it as a cough. I was like, oh God, it was like the quietest class too. And I was like, you are so, she was just so Zen. And I'm like, look at you. She needs it. That's how you know she she needs it. it. The body welcomes it. Right. And practice, you have to practice to get better. Just like meditation, right. It's not going to happen right Mm -hmm. away. You're not going to sit down and all of a sudden reach bliss, right? Like it's consistency, but meditation, like, especially for things like ADHD and focus, it can be life changing, right? Cause it does Mm -hmm. just to sit down and focus on your breathing is going to improve your focus and your concentration. And this is like scientifically based. Like we're talking about actual peer reviewed studies that will tell Mm -hmm. you the benefits of meditation on concentration and focus. So, um, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's definitely a, it's definitely a tool that is unfortunately, I think underutilized and, mm-hmm. um, can breath work, meditation, yogic practices can serve you anytime in your life. Yeah. I like the way that you explain it sounds a lot less, uh, daunting, like just taking those five breaths in and out from your nose, filling your belly up. Like that's something everybody can manage, right? It's not turning off all the lights, lighting candles, yeah. sitting on a mat, cross-legged, yeah. meditating, kind of what everybody's picturing, right? So yeah. this is like something that you can do no matter where you are, like you were and, saying. And knowing too that that your thoughts aren't just going to disappear. You're always going to have thoughts. And so it's just mm-hmm. recognizing that and then calling yourself like back to the present moment. It's constant. Like meditation, you don't just sit down and all of a sudden your thoughts are gone. Like Mm -hmm. they're there. And so you're talking to yourself. You're saying, come back here. Don't think about that right now. Don't like half the time. That's what you're thinking. Don't think about that. (laughs) Yes. Don't think about that either. Right. Until naturally you're not thinking about those things. Right. Mm -hmm. But it it takes a little bit of work and and starting slow and starting. And you don't, I like guided meditations much better than a meditation. I I can't do it by myself. Yeah. There's no way. Like I need some mm-hmm. kind of background noise or my brain, my brain never stops thinking to the point where sometimes I get like, I feel like nauseous because yeah. it doesn't shut my brain does not shut the fuck up. And I'm always like, stop it. Stop it. Like, holy shit. Just think of a black room yeah. and I'll do it for a few seconds. And then something creeps back in. And I'm just like, oh my God, this is driving me absolutely nuts. Like sometimes it gets really frustrating. So my, the favorite thing I like, which I learned from guided meditation apps is like counting when you feel like that is like counting your in and your out breath to 10 and then redoing it. And that's like one of the only things that like makes me stop thinking. But I also find that when I'm in a yoga class, I don't think, Mm -hmm. I think at the beginning, I'm so fidgety at the beginning because I'm like, I don't know if it's because like, uh, sometimes, (laughs) sometimes I'm so tired from the class. Like I, it was such a good workout that I can't, I can't think of anything because my brain's just spent. <laughs> and then other times it's more of like actually intuitively being relaxed, but mm-hmm. not every teacher gets me there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think that's a me problem. <laughs> it's not a them problem, yeah. but like, or I don't like to talk after yoga, mm-hmm. especially if I get there, which is kind of rare to fully feel like an out of body experience at the end where I'm like knocking. 
And then the end class and everyone starts talking. It instantly gets me in a really like sour mood. Yeah. Cause I'm like, yeah. I want to hold on to this for as long as yeah, possible. I just created I'm not going to get it again. Yeah. Which yeah. It's finally it's silent in this brain of mine. <laughs> yeah. And then everyone starts talking about like their weekend and stuff. I'm like, I don't care. <laughs> yeah. I hear you. I hear you. I understand that for sure. I mean, it, what's interesting is you'll find it harder to settle when you start your practice than when you finish it. It always, every practice at my studio and traditionally will will finish in Shavasana and, mm-hmm. and the Shavasana, you find it easier to settle than you did at the very beginning of class because the, the shapes and the, and the moving meditation serves a purpose, purpose to burn off agitation. Like you're literally yeah. creating these shapes so that you can get out this need to move and get out this these fidget, these fidgets and these, you know, agitations so that when you take Shavasana, it's one thing that, you know, is always going to be guaranteed and you've, and, and the, the shapes that you've made are preparation for that. And so you mm-hmm. will find it for mo- for the most part, easier to settle at the end of practice. And when you first came in, right, because you've done mm-hmm. every, you've done the breath work, you've done the, the asana, the, po- the poses and, and you can settle. And of course, every teacher is different. I agree. Like it depends on even just if the tone of the teacher's voice is just slightly off, it's hard to get there. Right. Or if you've got too much, like you said, going on at the time, let that be. Sometimes you have to give yourself those, you have to give those thoughts a minute and it's almost like acknowledge. It just wants you to say, okay, I see you anger there. I'm going to recognize you instead of just pushing it away. Like give it just a, just a moment to recognize it and say, Hey, I see that you want my attention right now. What do you need? Like, it's just like a two-year-old. It's like, mommy, 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 mommy. And you just have to be like, what? What can I help you yeah. with? Right. And then all yeah. of a sudden they're happy. They they leave you, right? And you can continue. Yeah. So not leave you, but they they can go off and play, right? So I firmly believe that sometimes that those things that are pesking away at you, especially in meditation, as long as it's not like work related, you can separate like a to-do list oh, from yeah an actual like heavy emotion. And sometimes those emotions just, need yeah, these are just random thoughts. Yeah. They're not related to my work or like my part. They're just random thoughts. And you're like, why do I need to be counting? Like what is five times 20 right now? Like there's no right. need for me to be doing this, but I think it's because with what I do for a living, you know, being a lawyer, it's, the kind of thinking that and writing and thought process that you do all day are so structured and specific yeah. and like analytical that my brain just wants to be like creative. And so when I'm not doing it, it just goes cr- crazy yeah. to the point where it's like, okay, I understand you need to be recognized, but like shut the fuck up for one minute mm-hmm. that it's, yeah, it's, it's, it can get, it can get frustrating sometimes, but I do think the more I like give into it in class, Mm -hmm. the easier it's becoming to like dismiss Mm -hmm. or just let it float through and then go back to like the black room that I'm trying to picture in my breath. I try to, yeah, I try to restart my breath and try to restart Savasana if I have that, like I'll get back into a stretch, hug my legs again and restart it. If my brain starts going on my to-do list. Because, yeah, yeah, Mm -hmm. sometimes you just need to reset. (laughs) Do you see, like, a lot of health issues like endo and PCOS in your practice? And 
uh, other like chronic autoimmune conditions or illnesses? I mean, a lot of people will come to yoga. It depends like in a, in a class setting, I don't get the same kind of like patient profile. I would Mm -hmm. as if I'm working with somebody one-on-one in a more like therapeutic yoga setting. Um, But I would say most people that come to yoga are imbalanced in some way, right? Like whether it's, it's in, in physically or it's, mentally there's trauma there there's something that they're looking for healing in some in some way right Mm -hmm. and so um there are a lot of there is research and evidence that yoga can help with different women's issues but it's Mm -hmm. it's so individualized and it takes such a team effort i would say like i would i would want to definitely know that you're working with you know a naturopath or or that your doctor has cleared certain things and yeah um but like when we talk about the menstrual cycle and, and, and women's health, we can't forget like menopause plays a part in that. And so does fertility. Right. Mm-hmm. And there are yoga yes. practices that can help with those considerations. Like if you're menop- like hormonal balancing, really. And so I've seen a lot of people that will come to yoga, for example, if they're having fertility struggles and really it's just about eliminating stress in their life. Right. So choosing, choosing a practice. Yeah. That's going to help you eliminate stress and help you slow, slow down. Right. Yeah. Actually, if you go to a fertility clinic, they'll tell you to see a naturopath for acupuncture and to do slow yoga. That's like two things that they'll tell you as like OBs who specialize in IVF and stuff. The only things they'll tell you that are not like quote unquote, Western medicine is like, do you do acupuncture and do you do, do you go to yoga? Yeah. Like, like literally we'll prescribe you to go if you're not already. Yeah. We've seen that at the vine because of Caitlin's specialty there, she was working, you know, with some fertility patients and then I would see them as well. And, um, yeah, like we have some pretty good success, actually. It's really exciting to see that a woman, you know, when a woman gets pregnant, there's so many factors that can affect that. But if maybe you had like a tiny small part in it, then it's really absolutely, absolutely rewarding. But it's really just about encouraging someone to slow down and listen to their body because we're so disconnected. Like Mm -hmm. we're so disconnected. You would think with the way the world is, we would be more connected, but it just creates so much disconnect. Mm -hmm. And, um, really that can be the answer to so many things is if you just like connect and listen. Mm -hmm. I wonder, so you shared a little bit, um, before we started recording, um, about, you know, your daughter being of an age where you're starting to have these types of conversations with her and know she plays pretty competitive sports and Amanda and I were really high level athletes and we're still being out of those competitive sports. Yeah. (laughs) Unpacking that. And so I wonder now, like as someone who works in fitness professionally, but also translating that to as being a mom of a daughter who is playing very high level sports. Like, does that maybe change how you view her practices or her games or even like her own working out part as part of a, like a, an athletic team? Um, well, I think, Um, there's so many, like when it comes to women's health and, and having a daughter, it's really interesting because all the things that work for you, now you have an opportunity to say, okay, now I might do it a little bit differently with her. Mm -hmm. And now there's Mm -hmm. so much more information that you can make more informed and different decisions. 
I think I just try to encourage my daughter, Leah, to, to, to just listen to, to what her body needs, right? And not push to the expectations of, you know, maybe a coach that doesn't quite understand mm-hmm. what, you know, she's going through. But at the same time, like encouraging her also to not be, no, not give up and not just make excuses, right? You have to find like a balance that's parenting. But the bigger issues that I would say that might be relevant to your podcast is like, interventions that we're seeing in Western medicine now that are, that are being given to young women, like the birth control pill, right. To help Mm -hmm. with their period and, um, different things like that, where it's like, okay, I have to decide, is that something that I want to start to interfere with is, Mm -hmm. is my daughter's cycle. Right. And, and now Mm -hmm. it's not even necessarily for, um, birth control that people are oh, being it's for everything right? else, right? It's oh, for yeah. everything, but it's for actual. everything that it's to regulate your cycle. It's to do right. But acne, I, you name I, it. It's for, I see it with but. all her friends. I see it with <laughs> yeah. all her friends and it's like concerning. Where's that generation? <laughs> yeah. Right? And, yeah. And it's like, and it, is it a coincidence that now we're seeing so much, so, you know, more fertility struggle? I don't know, but, yeah. um, it becomes a question because obviously I, birth control is important. Um, at a young age because, you know, for young pregnancies and things like that. But at the same time, like, it's a big question. Like, do, is that something that I want to intervene and interfere with? Because a woman's cycle is the most natural creative force in this mm-hmm. world. You know what I mean? It's so sacred. And, um, nowadays we're just doing so much to young women that, that change that. And I just, that those are the kind of things that, that come up for me. And so I was even just talking to her about that, like understanding, tuning into your cycle. And, and mm-hmm. if you potentially are not going to go on birth control, you have to understand how your cycle works. You have to understand other forms that are going to keep you you know safe from that specifically, mm-hmm. or if it's for acne, are there other ways that you can like looking at the root cause of things rather than mm-hmm. just dealing with symptoms and treating symptoms, looking at what exactly is happening in your body that you might, for why you might be experiencing those skin challenges or irregular periods or whatever. Like you're, if you've just come out of pure, out of puberty, like perhaps it's normal. your, your period is still figuring itself out. Like mm-hmm. it's, you know, and so those are the kind of interesting questions that mean more to me now that I have a daughter and I feel like we're a more educated and informed, you know, population. So being less quick to interfere with, with definitely the, the, your woman, the woman's cycle, I think is a big, it's important to me. Yeah. Yeah, Try to explore other things first. Yeah. We both wonder like, what would our life be like, like? even just lives like be like, if we hadn't gone (laughs) on birth control so young for regular periods. Like I, if I, I don't know, like you think about so many things and you're like, I wish I hadn't done that at 17, but then I think back at how I was at 17 and it was like, it was presented as, as, as the only option. And I wholeheartedly believed and I thought I was Mm -hmm. making the best choice. So it's hard to like, kind of balance that. So I get that. Right. Like, like, being older and being reflective, especially us being part of the generation we're at by 17, everyone was on birth control. Yeah. And it was not yeah. for control, like <laughs> yeah. having a baby. It was for everything, but, and we're now part of that same generation that's coming off birth control and realizing a whole whack of us have a lot of issues. Mm-hmm. And yeah, so like kind of reconciling, okay. <laughs> like 
would we be in a better place? Would we be in a worse place? Like you don't know and you can't know the unknown. But then it makes me think as someone who played high level sports and I was a varsity athlete, like I don't think I could have done those things if I hadn't gone on the pill. Right. So young, like there's no way I could have played, trained with team Canada and played provincial level sports with endometriosis, how I have it now. There's no way. Mm -hmm. But on the flip side, would I have had those symptoms so strongly if I had never gone on the pill? Like it's such a mind fuck. Yeah, it really (laughs) is. It's such, and there's no right or wrong answer. Like I respect what everybody needs to do, but I just think returning back to natural practices, Mm -hmm. um, is, is, can, can, can be very helpful these days because now Mm -hmm. these women that are going on birth control at a young age, they're ending up with depression and then they're needing, um, you know, I have to be careful again, because this is just what I've read in my opinion, but I'm seeing like, we're being fed into the pharmaceutical factory at a young age and being prescribed birth control. And then because of that depression increases, I read by 160% Mm -hmm. and then we need antidepressants to heal There's a lot of the stuff that the birth control caused. And it's like, well, what? (laughs) Yeah, because it dysregulates a lot. Like even a big thing too, I don't know how big it is anymore, but Amanda and I are also the generation where everyone went on Accutane. I went on Accutane and they almost didn't put me on it because I have family history of a lot of mental health issues. And I had suffered from some general anxiety when I was a little bit like like a late teenager. Um, and they almost didn't put me on Accutane because of how much it can impact. Like you can become extremely depressed, have suicidal ideations. You know, a lot of people go on Accutane and are completely fine, but those are really high Mm -hmm. risks, especially if you have Mm -hmm. family or personal background, plus being on birth control can also impact your mental health. So there's like other forms of birth control too, that like, like Depo-Provera shots, uh, Mm -hmm. that can like increase like weight gain and like that. I know like gaining weight doesn't make you a bad person, but when you're a teenager, like the, the shit that does to your mind, no thanks. Yeah. 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 Especially like a young girl going through puberty, your body's changing already. And then you're adding this. Mm -hmm. Yeah. All these hormones. It's just slightly concerning that at a young age, we've got, we're proting and, and probing all these young girls uh, you know, and, and, and changing their hormonal cycles, but the men were not doing any, like, why is birth yeah. control not like, we haven't seen Do you know why? hormonal so, control for men. Like, there is. Why? So every time that they've, they've tried to develop it, pharmaceutical companies won't buy it. So right. because, because who's at the helm of the pharmaceutical companies, yeah. all men, but it's because the side effects, the men didn't like the side effects. So they would refuse to continue with the clinical studies. And so the, the clinical study would get squashed because they felt mm-hmm. sad or they felt they gained a little bit of weight or whatever it was that was impacting their bodies. They didn't like it. And mm-hmm. so they listened to that and they would squash the clinical yeah. trials where if you open a box of any type of birth control pill, the list. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The side effects is create. Why is stress. that okay for us? What and like women- one of the risks is blood clot and death, and yeah. that's fine. But men get like a little bit sad, and they say, "Well, they can't sorry, do it. It's impossible, right?" Yeah. Like it's 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 yeah. So, um, but it is an important discussion because our cycle is 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 it makes up you know so much of of what the woman's experience is here and and 
life. Like it, it, that's why I said, like, I love getting my period now. I never thought I was going to say that maybe after I've had two children and, you know, as you get older, you realize you're not going to have your period forever. Right. And it's like it, I welcome it now. And especially because I'm more at a spiritual phase in my life, that there are spiritual significance around your period. And as you bleed, it makes you feel more connected to the moon. Like I was reading an interesting program called moving with the moon which is like, you know, a lot of people say, describe your, your, your period as um, your moon cycle. I don't know. So moving with the moon is kind of an interesting concept, but I just think interfering with something that is so natural is, is something that at least should be a lot of thought should be put into that. Mm -hmm. Definitely. And I think it may be the fact that our generation was that maybe the next, like, generation of our kids won't mm-hmm. they'll be more maybe that much more informed than we were because there are times where birth control is the right option and it yeah, does exactly. really help but that's not always the case because like for me it was oh you have pcos we're gonna do this we're not gonna do anything about any of your actual symptoms or why your peers are regular come back to me when you want to have a baby that's what i was told at 17 i was like okay that's my only option cool <laughs> like yeah it just I was like, just never have sits. I'll do anything because mm-hmm. I was not being called pizza face in high school anymore. Yeah. Okay. We're ready to play our little game. Okay. What's here. the game? So I thought that was the game. I was like, where are we going? I feel like there's like a hidden question no. coming in this. I'm not seeing no. it. <laughs> yeah. We're not trying to trick you. Don't worry. <laughs> so yeah, what the game is fitness trends. Would you rather, uh, we like to do what you rather's or, um, well, we also like to do, uh, what in the TikToks, but today we're doing fitness trend. Would you rather? Um, they so may the first not one. necessarily be good ones. We like oh, to yeah. sometimes Usually be they're like, not. they're not typically <laughs> ones that we would want to be doing, but if you had to choose one, okay. between you in an uncomfortable like, what position, what would you choose? Okay. So would you choose counting your calories or only eating portion controlled meals for the rest of your life? Portion control or counting calories. Mm. I think probably the portion control would be better because then I can still enjoy everything, just smaller portions rather than <laughs> yeah. rather than missing out on some of the good stuff or, or count like being obsessed with counting calories. That's not for me. No, it's not good. Not good. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Would you rather intermittent fast for the rest of your life or only do cardio if it's fasted? So you can only work out on an empty stomach or intermittent fast throughout your days? Okay. So only intermittent fasting or only workout. I, I on an empty say, stomach. I say workout on an empty stomach would be anything for the rest of my days scares me. That's, long, <laughs> that's a long time to lock into. So let's just focus on the short term and then we'll figure it out. <laughs> yeah, I agree with that. <laughs> Like for the rest of your days, I'm scared of anything for that. Right. Like, yeah, uh, yeah. I, I think, yeah, I would go with the, even though intermittent, it, I think I, I naturally intermittent fast anyways, but it's anything, like I said, like that I have to sign my life away forever is uh, mm-hmm. I'm not into that. 
Yeah. We're, we're fans of it being intuitive with our eating. That's probably what you are too. If you're just intuitively eating when you're hungry and eating what you want when you're hungry, like that's just natural eating Yeah. versus someone telling you can only, you can't eat for the next like 20 hours. <laughs> yeah. And you got to weigh out your chicken breast every day. <laughs> that's no way to like the energy can't flow when you're too structured. Exactly. Yeah. We really appreciate you being here. Can you tell us uh, where we can find you on social media before we let you go enjoy your day? Yeah. So we're the Yoga Vine Niagara on Instagram. There's a little in this uh, underscore before Niagara, Yoga Vine Niagara. And then me personally, I'm Jillian Inspired on Instagram, but definitely would rather everybody check out the studio. That's, uh, <laughs> that's more fun than just me and my family stuff. So on Instagram. <laughs> Awesome. We'll be sure to put that in the show notes. And if you're in the Niagara area, I would recommend coming to the studio for any of the stuff, but the classes are definitely, that's where I go and I love it. So thank you for coming on, Jillian. We appreciate it. Thank you so fun. much for having me. Yeah, of course. I remember when you first day. came in, remember you only, you wanted slow, slow, slow. I did. I came yeah. in and I was like, I can't do anything yeah. that's not slow. And now I'm like, uh, I like only go to your our classes. She's like, no, you can't do that. <laughs> I know when you said that the first time I was like, mm-hmm, we'll see how long that lasts. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Didn't last very long. <laughs> All right, girl. See you in class. Thank you. All right. See ya. Bye. Hopefully see you in real life sometime. Yeah, for sure. See you later. <laughs> Bye. That's a wrap from us at Pip. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to like, comment, and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Follow us on all the socials at the Pip Podcast at Periods and Pain. Also, don't forget to check out our weekly blog posts every Sunday at periodsandpain.ca. Until next time, keep pipping. The Pip Podcast is a division of Periods and Pain. The Pip Podcast is produced and edited by Veronica Guido and Amanda Thompson. Social media by Veronica Guido and Amanda Thompson.